She's all but sending like the 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 letter equivalent of saying what? Sorry, can't hear you. Sorry, yeah. what? No, you're gonna have to stay there for a bit longer. Sorry, no, can't hear you. The post's not getting through. <laughs> I just love this image of Mr. Bennett retreating to the library to have a break, and Collins following him in. There's a great illustration in the version of the book that I've got, and it's Darcy just, just nailing a drink, and it's like he's just sitting there pissed. That's where you can just see him glancing off to the side and going, Barkeep. <laughs> Hello, good sir. Welcome to Shark Live Oil. My name is Matt. I, I'm, I'm Dave Hillier. And we are doing a new book. It's time to leave the world of Watchmen and uh, embrace the world of Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. It's a bit different for us, Dave, this book, isn't it? It's definitely a departure, Matt. So if you're listening to Shark Live Roll for the first time, what we do, we're a podcast that uh, is kind of like an online book club, something like that. We, what we do is we take a book, break it down into a few parts. Uh, in this case, Pride and Prejudice, we're reading it in four parts and sort of discussing each section as we go along. This week, we are reading from the start of the book, surprise, surprise, to uh, chapter 17, uh, which is about roughly a quarter of the way through the book, slightly less. And... Uh, and this is it. If you've got any feedback on the book or on the cast, you can always send it in. We've got a bit to read later on. Uh, it is sharkliveroilpodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at sharkliveroil. Okay, Dave, have you read Pride and Prejudice before? I have read Pride and Prejudice before, although it was only quite recently that I came to it. Because um, oh. it's... Well, so I'm, I'm of a generation which kind of... The BBC Pride and Prejudice adaptation happened when I was about 12. Yeah. And so all I associated it with was like this thing that people talked about because it was Colin Firth in his underwear. And I was like, well, that's not for me then, is it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, the whole appeal of it seemed to be summed up as like a, like a, a, a particularly shit romance, really, mm. is what I thought of it. Uh, but yeah, then I came to read it slightly, slightly later on. I realised it's actually really funny. So I'm quite... I am quite. I don't think we're going to find very many knob gags in it, but I'm quite confident we're going to find some funny stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's uh, supposed to be it's sort of in many ways a satire, isn't it? Um, of yeah, the, yeah, the exactly. time. Uh, How I, about you? Had you read it before? Yes, I had, but um, my first experience with it surprised. I think all people our age living in England or the UK, uh, your first experience of it may have been this BBC adaptation, which they did in a number of parts, which was absolutely massive. I think it got mm. quite big internationally as well, with, as you say, Colin did, Firth yeah. in it. Um, I actually did watch that at the time. Did you? <laughs> yeah, it's like a... Age, it's a bit age of a, 12? Bit of a what? confession to make. Well, <laughs> it's because um, my uh, mum my sat me down with it and was like, oh, watch this with me, Matt. And because, like, everything else did was either with my dad or with my mates... It was yeah. actually quite nice to see something a bit different. Although, obviously, uh, yeah. this is the only time I've ever spoken of it since because uh, <laughs> if word got out to my 12 year old mates that. that I've been watching was... Pride and Prejudice, I don't think I'd have lived it down. <laughs> that's, that's, that's polonium for, the, for a high school <laughs> career, isn't it? That yeah. never let it be known. <laughs> yeah, but I managed to keep it under wraps until today. So uh, the skeletons are out of the closet now. But uh, yeah, yeah I, I watched it, and that was. Uh, uh, I enjoyed it then because it was, like I say, it was just such. It was completely different to anything else I was doing at the time, um, yeah. and yeah. Since then, I've seen a couple of other film versions of it, and 
I have. I think I, I think I read it when we were in sixth form, maybe. A lot of people oh, really? read this this book as a study guide. Yeah, to study, don't they? Um, yeah. But, but I, I told don't... my dad actually that we were doing this, and, oh, yeah. and he was like, "Oh, I hate that book." I was <laughs> like, "Because he doesn't hate anything." I was like, "You hate Pride and Prejudice." He was like, "Oh yeah, I had to do it in school. Terrible. All these horrible characters." And I was like, mm. and I think that really ruins it for a lot of people having to do it in school. Yeah, and um, I think I think that's the same for a lot of classics, isn't it? They make them. Yeah. They do a great job of making them a real chore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so just in case you, you, if you want a little different kind of style to Pride and Prejudice, we're also going to be at the end of each of these episodes taking a dive into Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, which is the <laughs> the adaptation, which uh, to. <laughs> <laughs> to oh, let's see, what does it say? Um, yeah, to, to, just to give you an idea of what that actually means, if you can't tell from the title, the blurb at the back begins: "Pride and Prejudice and Zombies" is an expanded edition of the beloved Jane Austen novel, featuring all new scenes of bone-crunching zombie mayhem. <laughs> <laughs> so we're we'll looking at how is this, that <laughs> is this a scrambling attempt on our part to maintain our street cred? You know, we do Game of Thrones. <laughs> We do Watchmen, and we do Zombie Apocalypse. And now we're doing Pride and Prejudice. We're like, how can we make this cooler? Zombies. Zombies, we're still cool. We're still cool. <laughs> it's the, it's a really good illustration of just how everything's got zombies in it these days, isn't it? It is. It is. And I have to say, having, having not experienced Zombie Apocalypse as a masterpiece of English writing... I'm not too confident that adding zombies to Pride and Prejudice is going to do much more about it. It sounds to me more like a sort of... It sounds to me like classic Christmas publishing, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's a one-line pitch. We've got Pride and Prejudice with extra zombies in it, and people go, oh, that's hilarious. I'll give that to my mum for Christmas. And, and nobody ever reads it. But yeah, maybe, maybe it's what turns it into a bona fide masterpiece. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> I've not read it, although your confidence speaks volumes. <laughs> okay, so without further ado, shall we get into Pride and Prejudice? Do we want to do a little little thing at the start to talk about the book in general, or shall we do that at the end? Um, I think let's do it at the end, because I've been, have, I have now have not read it for several years, and I've only read up to this bit, so I'm, I'm trying yeah. to experience it anew all the way through. Yeah, okay. So we'll do a general discussion of the book and its, its, sort of its place in history and literature at the end, uh, but let's just get straight into it now as if you know we'd never read it before we're gonna we're, we always try and do, died with yeah, wonder we always try and do these book uh, books as sort of as we go along as if we don't know what's happening later on which normally we don't because we haven't read it but obviously this is the kind of story that everyone kind of knows anyway but yeah. we'll try and, and not throw any big spoilers in there as we go so it begins with a one of what's become one of the most famous lines in literature, I suppose, which is, "It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife." Bosh, that sets it in its time, doesn't it? Great opening line, mm. fantastic opening line, and and also I have to say, first time I read it, I completely missed that that might be the most sarcastic line in English literature. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it's satirical. But most of the appreciations I've ever heard of Pride and Prejudice sort of treat it as though that's what's interesting about the story. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this whole matter of who's going to marry who. I'm like, hmm, 
I'm not certain that's what you were supposed to take away from this book, to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I imagined that being said with a sigh when I read it. Yeah, um, it is a truth universally acknowledged. Yeah, maybe with quote marks for universally acknowledged. Yeah, <laughs> or not even quote marks. Just is—is is there some some like universal punctuation mark for deep cynicism? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so someone who does buy into the uh, that idea, and what, which was a prevailing idea at the time when this is set, is mm. uh, Mrs. Bennett who uh, is in this chapter at the beginning. She needs to find herself five husbands because she's got five daughters. And that basically becomes her reason for, you know, whole reason for living and success, doesn't it? She builds a life mm-hmm. around trying to trying to do this. Her husband, Mr. Bennett, uh, is quite an interesting character, quite laid back, and uh, he shares a lot with, with the, the character who comes to know quite well, Lizzie, doesn't he, in this sort yeah. of... Uh, I don't know. He treats every element of society with a bit of a raised eyebrow and uh, uh, a bit of a quizzical expression. He's a fucking hero, <laughs> is what he is. He really. Is. I mean, this is absolutely amazing. Like, just, just like, he, like his second. Actually, I think the first thing he actually says, like his wife comes in and is all like, kind of, oh goodness, some rich fella's taking a house on top of the hill, and oh, marriage is possible. <laughs> um, and and he just he just um, uh, he's just like. Right? Don't you want to know who took it? And he goes, Well, you want to tell me, don't you? I'm all right with hearing it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute hero. I just, I, from his first line, I'm like, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I quite like, uh, as a double act, these two, it's one of the, it's like a classic <laughs> comedy double act, isn't it? Yeah. Because uh, she's all excitement and. Um, massively embedded in this society and all the rules around it, and he is sort of a, a set up, a step apart, isn't he? And he's yeah, got this yeah. sort of just weary patience with with her. <laughs> she just continues to <laughs> bounce around like a bundle of energy. Yeah, she just doesn't give a shit, does she? Like he's 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 ladling out like pitch dark kind of uh, like he's just he's absolutely trying to kill her buzz. And she just could not, because she just flies right over her head. She's just like, oh, yes, oh, lovely, fabulous, wonderful. <laughs> yeah, we also get an introduction to Lizzie, who's one of the daughters. You get a feeling that she's the sort of favourite of Mr. Bennett, don't you? Mm-hmm. Because she's so similar, as we find out. Like, yeah. she's also got this, this like, acerbic wit. Mm. Um, without, I have to say, without being a dickhead about it as well. Yeah. Like, there's a way of having acerbic wit, which is just about, like, ripping everybody down around you. But... Um, we actually come to this bit a little bit later on where Lizzie's like, well, yeah, but I'm not really about tearing people down, but if they're doing something stupid, you better believe I'm going to laugh at them. <laughs> and we always respond well to characters like that, don't we? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Uh, chapter two, uh, we find out a bit more about the sisters. Um, I just wrote here as well, Mrs. Bennett, is it, she kind of reminds me of, of, of Pamela from Gavin and Stacey's, you know, the mum of the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely immense, and yes, absolutely true. It's very absolutely British reference, true. but it's this sort of comedy, uh, comedy mum who's like quite nice, but like really <laughs> sort of the twenty the twenty first century version. Like all the sort of neighbourhood politics and stuff is really important to her. And uh, I think the thing that made me think about it this time was when Mrs. Bennett immediately. Um, 
has a go at a neighbour, doesn't she? And like uh, puts her down, um, mm. sort of behind. Like you know, they're just talking about someone who lives next door, and she says, "Oh yeah, um, she's not you know this this and that about her." And it just reminds me of in Gavin and Stacey. This this mum always describes one of her neighbours called Big Fat Sue, and it just drops <laughs> it in there. You know, Big Fat Sue. Did you hear what Big Fat Sue said? <laughs> you can anyway. just imagine Mrs. Bennett saying that, but we need to work out sort of 18th century way of putting that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Large, corpulent Susan. <laughs> uh, we're also introduced to Mary, who's one of the sisters. Probably the, uh, one of the funniest introductions of all time. Not a great introduction, this, for the girl. Uh, Mary wanted to say something sensible, but knew not how. So she didn't. <laughs> <laughs> as well as there are some the 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 like the characters around the edge of this I find absolutely amazing because they're they're caricatures treated with such such wit. There's another guy later on who's just really fat and lazy. Oh yeah. And that's just all she ever writes about him. After he'd asked what kind of food she liked, he had no further conversation. <laughs> yeah. Mary yeah. tried to say something interesting, but could think of nothing, so didn't. <laughs> um, we find out that Lydia is the youngest but also the tallest which she takes great pride in and nice. uh, Ki- Kitty has a cough well good for you Kitty <laughs> I hope she way, has more development than that for the moment I've, I've just, just looked it up and do you know what you're more on the money than you know um, the same actress played Mrs Bennett and played um, Gavin's mum in um, in Gavin and Stacey no really Seriously. The Pride and Prejudice 95 TV series, it was Alison Steadman did them both. Crikey, maybe that's why I, why it, I got it then. Yeah, ah, well, but, but, but they are very similar characters as well, aren't they? This mm, sort of like, yeah. kind of voluminous, kind of high energy, total airhead yeah. kind of character. And Alison Steadman, like, well, she nails it in Gavin and Stacey. I've not seen the BBC thing for a while, so. Yeah, oh, fancy that. There you go. Hmm. <laughs> Okay, so you're, more, you're more insightful than you even realised. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, thanks very much. <laughs> we move on to chapter three, and we get a bit of an insight into the way courtship's done in this society. Yeah. Um, about how the far, you know, there's this new guy moved in, this rich gentleman from the north. Yes, one in the box <laughs> for the northerners. There's, there's, I know. <laughs> I wonder whether you were gonna whether you were gonna seize on that. And by the way. Have you noticed how in all the adaptations, or both the adaptations that I've seen, they absolutely can't pull off Mr. Darcy with the Northern accent? Yeah. I thought, I thought it was Mr. Bingley from... Oh, oh he's Mr. Bingley, North, sorry, yeah. But, but by the same token, he's, he's this kind of like... Yes, I'm very gentlemanly, I come from Surrey, actually. Kind yeah. of... And I'd love it if they managed to nail the sort of posh Northerner vibe. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> lives in Harrogate kind of thing. Yeah. I think, I think but sort of... Posh people in Harrogate speak like Mr. Darcy as well, don't they? Well, you you might be onto something there. I've not spent as much time hanging out with posh people in Harrogate, perhaps. But yeah, I've well, you know, I've I've cleaned down the carriages from time to time. (laughs) 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 Uh, Okay, yeah. So so this guy anyway, this uh, rich guy's moved down and bought bought a, a house, if you like, or a bit of land, and obviously Mrs. Bennett's objects now and her mission is to get one of her kids married to him but to get the daughters introduced to him the dad's got to go over and see him first so she's mm. waiting for him to do that and uh, 
and obviously he does in chapter two, so that allows this sort of this whole system to you know the wheels to keep turning and the and the girls and the guys can all meet up now. Yeah. Uh Mr. Darcy is introduced, who uh, I get the feeling we'll come to know more of, as we say, from Derbyshire. Tall, good looking and of course, very importantly, rich. So uh <laughs> so we're loving that, but he's also rude and proud, so there are a couple of marks against him as well. Um yeah. a, and compared to his friend Mr. Bingley, who's also rich, um, but is much more uh nicer and uh Life and soul. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a party dude, isn't he? <laughs> he's up for it. But in, in the in the least kind of like douche bro kind of way possible. I just I love I love yeah. that this three hundred years ago is the kind of like Yeah party Yeah <laughs> kind of stereotype. But instead he's like Miss Bennett, good evening. Might I interest you in a waltz? <laughs> yeah. How far yeah. we have fallen, Matt. <laughs> yeah, he's um he's he's one part party dude and two part lovely bloke, isn't he? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and 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 pretty much everybody wants to marry him, you know. And, yeah, and I'm amongst their number. I'm not. I'm not. Um, it's interesting that uh, Lizzie's sitting down, uh, Elizabeth sitting down in um, just sort of near Darcy, and mm. uh, Darcy does this review of her uh, when someone asks, you know, what do you think of what do you think of this Elizabeth girl. And uh, it's the most damning with faint praise <laughs> review of all time, where he says she's tolerable. Um, and the, the funny thing is here most girls in this situation and in this society would be absolutely crushed by that but yeah. Lizzie finds it hilarious and ends up telling it other people as a funny story which That's is amazing. a lovely introduction to her isn't it it is and I've got to say I think there's something like it's clear to me that Lizzie's one of the one of the great characters of English literature just because everything you're expecting to be from moment one she kind of spins off and does not become yeah. um, she's, got, she's got top banter top banter Exactly. And uh, also, <laughs> when they get back after this party, uh, the Mrs. Bennett obviously hears of, of what Darcy's said, and she says to Mr. Bennett, who wasn't at the party, oh, I wish, I wish you'd have been there because you could have given him one of your set-downs. Um, which is... <laughs> yeah. Does, does, she, um, <laughs> does she mean sort of take him outside and give him a beating? Because I don't imagine Mr. <laughs> Bennett could really do that. <laughs> I don't know. Like, is 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 this Mr. Bennett kind of um, kind of hiding hiding his previous past as a cage fighter um, <laughs> behind a veneer of, uh, of cynical humour? No, I think he's. I think he's just sort of. Um, I think he's he's just sort of the kind of guy who would not not kind of stand for that sort of nonsense and be like, oh yeah, nice hat. You know, or whatever, yeah, like, yeah, take it to pieces that way. But of course, the ironic thing is that he doesn't need to be there, and Lizzie's more than capable of administering exactly those put downs herself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, chapter four, uh, it's clear that Jane, who's the eldest sister and bit of the sort of rising star in the family, this is the one that Mrs. Bennett thinks she's going to have some good success with marrying off. She's very fond of Mr. Bingley. And. Uh. Uh, it's interesting here, J- Jane. We get a good bit of in- sort of gl- glance into Jane's character um, through Lizzie when they're having this conversation, and Lizzie says, "You know, like you're so nice, and you see the good in everybody." And she really is like this, isn't she? Jane's very quite vanilla, nice girl next door, isn't she? 
Yeah, yeah, very much. But she's not a knobhead. Like, we're going to come later on to one or two of the sisters, the Bennett sisters, who are just knobs. But yeah. Jane's kind of... I think, like, Jane, Jane's, Jane's comfortable playing the game, you know? Whereas I suspect Lizzie's like, the game? Yeah. You, let, you yeah. play the game, the game plays you. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's what I can imagine her saying. Um, this is the point where I just, just put a note in here saying... You know, uh, Bingley's just bought an estate. Uh, Darcy owns a lot of land as well. It's very clear by this chapter that this is this book is going to be entirely about a very specific class of people, um, in, a, in a specific time, mm. and it's going to pretty much ignore other areas of society. And are, are we bothered about that? Does that does that damage the book at all? Well, that's a very good question. Um, I think. I think it's okay for a story to set to do what it sets out to do, which is kind of tell like a satire of this sort of this sort of world. And I don't think it just kind of unthinkingly accepts privilege, you know, like it makes quite a lot of quite a lot of mileage out of the fact that the whole you know, the the difference between middle class and upper class is so kind of ruthlessly exploited in this culture. I don't think it's very positive about that at all. Um yeah. And I, you can't ask everything to be, you know, Dickens, can you? Um, you know, I don't think... You know, if I want some social realism about this time, there's loads of people that I can go to and read about that sort of thing. Yeah. And I think this is realistic. It's just realistic about a very, very tiny kind of a world. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I, I think I think you're right. And also, yeah, it's... That's what the. This is what this story is fairly unashamedly about, isn't it? It's about how yeah. people in this section of society dealt with relationships. So, yes, maybe it would be a bit strange to throw in a few other um, aspects of society in there as well. But I think it's something worth worth mentioning. Uh, yeah. Chapter no, five. Chapter five, and uh, Mrs. Bennett and Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Lucas meet up. Who's uh, uh, her neighbour? I just love this because as they're chatting, it's sort of it's friendly, but it's also this element of competition. Yeah, um, yeah. sort of one up, one up and shift, and it's just you know good fun to watch. Um, there's another party, isn't there? And there's uh, <laughs> this bit where Darcy's just sort of sitting next to one of the girls and just not saying anything, and just <laughs> it looks like he's. There's a great illustration in the version of the book that I've got, and it's the. Uh, it's it's one of the girls sitting there looking at him, and it's Darcy just just nailing a drink, and it's like he's just sitting there getting pissed. <laughs> That's just where you can just see him glancing off to the side and going, "Oh fuck, <laughs> barkeep." The girl's Bring me your strongest like, wines. <laughs> the girl's expression is like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's beautiful. Anyway. I don't know. I, what do you, What do you reckon about Darcy at this point? Do you, I mean, like, because obviously he's presented as really quite a kind of a cold and extremely rude person. Yeah. Um, but is there not a bit of you that sort of feels like if you had to go through this absurd rigmarole of, you know, everybody pretends they're not interested in your money, but they're interested in your money really, and that's it. You know, yeah. like if you had to go through that, you wouldn't also treat it with a certain amount of undisguised contempt. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I'm not surprised that he goes through, yeah, goes through life with a bit of a, especially considering his character, which we find a bit more later. 
it's sort of a, a general shoulder shrug at how ridiculous a lot of the situation is, which is something he kind of shares in common with Lizzie, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, very, very true, actually, yeah. Uh, in, in Chapter 6, uh, it's, this is quite interesting because Jane, they're trying to work out now how they can get Jane and Bingley closer together. And uh, Jane's trying to work out, you know, how much should she let on that she likes him? Because if she goes too too far, it's it sort of breaks the um, I don't know the the structure of the society, and it'll be frowned upon. But if she doesn't <laughs> do enough, then he might think she's not interested in him, and then that might put him off. So, you know, it's this balancing act that they're trying to that they're trying to find. Um, I just had the clearest image of a modern day version of this being like being a girl deciding exactly how high her skirt should be. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's 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 that sort of thing because it's I mean. I don't know. I, f- I find all of these kind of rule the idea of rules in courtship like quite absurd. Yeah. Because that's sort of like letting everybody else into an interaction which you're hoping will become, you know, extremely personal and specific. Yeah. Um I don't know. I I but so I just all of this stuff, all of this what does one say? Does one say this? Does one say this? Does one look? Does one look away? How does one keep somebody interested without too interested in bed I just find it all hilarious. Yeah, but I think you're right in that uh, this isn't something unique to this time. I mean, obviously the um, the specifics are, but this idea of a set of unspoken rules which you've got to adhere to um, when you're dating is it still happens today. As you say, mm. the the decision on what to wear and how how short the skirt is is obvi- is something that is kind of important when you when you're dating because you don't want to yeah. you know you, you don't want to give the wrong impression. And yeah, uh, yeah I th- I think that's fascinating how something like that, which is uh, on the surface seems so archaic, actually has mm. endured and is still really relevant today. Yeah, 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 very true. And I think that's why it's got its appeal because every era has its has its unbelievably dumbass rules about how two individuals are supposed to meet and form an exclusive relationship. We're back to another party. They they have a lot of parties. This a lot of balls, actually. If you want to, <laughs> that that seems wrong, doesn't it? These just, people no, got, got a lot of balls, full of balls. Yeah. No, I loved it because they do talk about like parties in the plural as balls, and yeah. like you know later on there's some cracking stuff that's like sort of like, oh, Mister Bingley, you do have a lot of balls. <laughs> I've got to admire your balls. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it, isn't it? <laughs> got to admire your balls. At <coughs> uh, this party, um, Lizzie is uh, is encouraged to sing um, because they've got a piano going, and uh, Lizzie does this. Lizzie gives this song, and like all the uh, people around are really impressed, and they all want to sort of speak to her, and you know, she charms everybody. And then Mary, poor Mary, who uh, was, was introduced as having nothing interesting to say, um, she's described as the only plain girl in the family. Yeah, I know, uh, right? <laughs> the compliments just that? keep coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and it's even worse, like, it's put in very kind of genteel language, but she gets up and, and she's learned all of these skills because she's like, well, that's yeah. the only way anybody's going to be interested in me. And there's just, I don't know what the, the late 18th century equivalent of the word meh is, but that's what she gets when she performs. You know, this is sort of like, <laughs> oh, that was lovely. Yeah, 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 well done. Nice one, nice one. Yeah, I, I just imagine this as, uh, like, Lizzie got up and just did a, a really basic 
you know three chord progression song and just did it and then and the, everyone goes goes crazy with like how great it was and then mary gets up and does this sort of orchestral uh, massive really <laughs> it's a virtuoso guitar solo isn't it <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah. knights of sidonia in the full version <laughs> and uh, everyone just goes yeah 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 whatever yeah okay. yeah lovely lovely <laughs> nice one mary anyway tea anyone oh poor mary yeah uh there's also this uh chance for lizzie to 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 get her own back on darcy for describing her as tolerable where uh, this guy called sir william effectively introduces them and says why don't you both have a dance and Darcy's kind of up for it and he's just waiting for it to waiting for her to accept and Lizzie kind of goes like no no thanks (laughs) she just blows him off she loves it doesn't she as well yeah and the thing is I think he loves it as well like there's a bit there's a bit here where he's like um you know she's like totally totally ignores all of his finely kerned good manners and um and just goes nah you're right son (laughs) <laughs> and I love that as a like power dynamic both with the gender and with the social situation you know like because social convention would say that she should be jumping all over this and acting as though they're nearly married now and all of that and you know all of this stuff which Darcy clearly finds quite quite contemptible is what she should do according to the rules of society but she just doesn't do any of it yeah um, yeah classic classic treat and mean keep them keen territory here well well, exactly. Although I don't think she's at all interested in keeping him keen at the moment. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's true. Hey, classic treat him mean, keep him keen, even if you didn't mean to, territory. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up is uh, we hear that some soldiers uh, are now being, a militia are now being stationed in Meriton, which is the sort of biggest town in this area. And uh, Lydia and Catherine, two of, the, two of the daughters, are delighted at this. Because they they like a man in uniform. Um, Mrs. Bennett, Mrs. Bennett's great because because she's like, uh, don't yeah that that's fine, but you know only sort of colonel level or above. We don't want anybody anybody with a lower rank. Getting that. It's such a meat market, isn't it? I, I don't know about you. When I saw this and it said militia, yeah. I was like, I mean, historically, I kind of know that the word militia meant just kind of like that's what the army was back then. It was a load of private militias all all rallied to the cause of the nation and stuff. Um, but there was a bit of me which using more modern terms in that thing like I just imagined these like total nutcases on like the American border with Mexico like burrowed (laughs) into the desert and taking law enforcement into their own hands and that being like a major social romantic catch make sure you go down there and take one of your duck dynasty caps as well and uh, go down there and offer to cook him a hunk of coyote and he'll be all over you (laughs) That's really funny because my mind immediately went the other way, um, and I was imagining a load of like little grubby guys with pitchforks from the Middle Ages. <laughs> so I imagined a religion. <laughs> Prithee, go hence and take yon finest chicken. <laughs> exactly. Um, the Bingleys have Jane over. She goes round for a visit, and. Uh, <laughs> Mrs. Bennett puts Jane on a horse instead of giving her the carriage because it, she thinks it means she'll probably have to stay over. And uh, the plan is uh, much more successful than anybody would have imagined when Jane catches a terrible, terrible cold and gets ill. Yeah, yeah. So she has to stay over. And Mrs. Bennett's kind of plan has, has come to fruition. 
And she couldn't be happier about it if she was actually sitting in the corner rocking back and forth going, dance, puppets, dance. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know, like, it's... And it's interesting, the way everybody else responds to Jane being, like, having a cold, which to you and me is not a big deal, you know, is is really interesting because it shows that back then if you got sick, then, you know, death was several steps closer to you than you wanted it to be, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, this this isn't serious at this point, but it could be. Mm. And, um, and Mrs. Bennett doesn't give a shit. She's like, well, acceptable risk if it makes it more likely that you'll marry a fantastically wealthy <laughs> yeah. man. Go ahead, yeah. go stay there. And then there's a bit later on where Jane feels like she's ready to come back home and asks, sends a letter to her mum asking her to send the horse and cart. And her mum goes, nah, stay there till next week. I'm <laughs> yeah. <it." laughs> yeah, Mrs. Bennett is basically doing what she's got to do to get these girls married, isn't she? <laughs> yeah, get, get her married or die trying, basically, is the idea. Yeah. She will stop at nothing. Um, this is quite a nice... Uh, uh, moment with Lizzie as well where she decides to walk the three miles uh, across these fields to go and visit Jane uh, mm. again it's just this um, gleeful refusal to conform to what's expected of her yeah. and uh, when she wanders in covered in mud from this massive hike yeah. um, Darcy's actually struck by how fresh faced she looks and uh Oh he's, and into he, it, isn't he's he? got some yeah, he's got some complicated feelings going on there. Mr. <laughs> Hunt, meanwhile, um is thinking about his breakfast, who's a character we've just been introduced to, and <laughs> pretty much that's the entire story of his character, isn't I it? I love it. He is the bomber of this book, isn't he? <laughs> just the guy who's like, Where's the food? What do you mean there's no food? What? <laughs> I love that bloke. I tell you what we haven't actually spoken about yet is the is the like the spectacular bitchiness of Mr. Bingley's two sisters, which is going oh, yeah. alongside this 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 whole thing, you know, like all of the interactions between uh the Bennetts and, and Darcy and Bingley. These two women by the side just being like heroically airheaded, like unbelievably manipulative and unpleasant and yeah. really two faced and stuff. And um, and I just find it hilarious because um, Lizzie walks in and she's covered in mud. And Mister, and in fairness, the the prose does go a little bit soft focus at this point. You can almost hear the music <laughs> kind of, you know, just that kind of like howling eighties guitar thing. If this was a different kind of book, it would go in a different direction. Um, and Mister Darcy's into it. But these two Never women. See you look as lovely. Yeah, it's exactly it. It's Christerberg. <laughs> Christerberg with a muddy petticoat. <laughs> but it's um but it, these two sisters are awful. They're like they're you know, they're kind of catty in her presence. Then when she leaves the room, they're ripping her to pieces. Mm, yeah, definitely. And it happens again and again, doesn't it, that? Yeah, it does. I mean they re- I mean there's some even better examples a little bit. Like uh, after after Lizzie's been there for a few days, but yeah, yeah. So so Lizzie and Jane stop over in a big sisterly sleepover, and uh, chapter eight it's dinner, and Lizzie's obviously down there having dinner with the rest of the family. Uh, Jane's still up in bed. Mister Bingley's being exceedingly nice to her as well. Mm. Uh, he he just seems like just this generally genial just guy, doesn't he? Nice, a terribly nice chap. Obviously the. The fact that Lizzie's walked across country uh, hasn't gone down well with most people. Um, as I said before, you're not exp- you're not supposed to do that if you're supposed to be a you know a lady at this time. Terribly genteel, yeah. Yeah, and Mrs. Hurst, 
who's uh, the you know one of the members of the family here, describes Lizzie as she has nothing in short to recommend her but being an excellent walker. <laughs> <laughs> She's a good walker. And what I love about that is that she herself has really nothing to recommend her at all but she yeah. clearly thinks that she's she's so full of like virtues and reasons to be fantastic that yeah. you know that it's fine for her to say things like that that she's got this kind of unassailable position and actually mm. everybody in the room is just going you're a knob yeah yeah and the the sisters here they they're really piling this on aren't they uh, mrs hurst is talking about how they're basically having a having a pop at the Bennets and their low standing in society comparable to to them, mm. and uh, talking about how they've got relatives on cheap side, which sounds <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine that that is the nicest part of town. That's um, true. No, but I thought they were talking about in London. It's cheap side mm. is the is actually like the route past all the banks. Oh right! So I was a bit oh. confused by that because I've always thought whenever I've been in that part of London, I've been like, "Oh, that's a weird name to give the bit where all the money is." Yeah. Um, but I mean, but it's possible that it is just another part of another town they're referring to, like a road in Derby, which is indeed the cheap side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting here that the, there seems to be a, a general agreement that uh, amongst maybe apart from Mister Bingley, everybody else, that Jane's lovely, Lizzie's a bit bit weird but Jane's nice enough but her family's connections are so poor that you yeah. know she, they can't seriously entertain having her marry Bingley yeah yeah that's true and is this is this the scene where Darcy's Darcy kind of notices her and um and 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 starts getting a little bit overheated but then reminds himself that like oh he, he actually says something like oh you know if she was a bit richer I'd be in danger here but, <laughs> yeah, but just, she's not, yeah. so it doesn't matter. <laughs> He's like, my emotions obviously are secondary to the uh, the social and economic mores of the day. Thank fuck, otherwise I would have probably married the wench. <laughs> okay, for the most part, this book um, is, holds up remarkably well, uh, including the language and the, obviously the themes. But every so often, there's a little sentence that dumps you out of the story because meanings of words have changed significantly over the years and yeah. this is one of them so um let me just read this to you uh on entering the dr- this is lizzie returning <coughs> this is after uh seeing to to jane ching she's okay lizzie comes back downstairs to see everybody on entering the drawing room she found the whole party at loo and was immediately invited to join them <laughs> but suspected them playing high so declined um okay so in England now, probably not so much across the world, but in England, loo basically means going to the toilet now. So I was just confronted with this image of Lizzie coming down the stairs, through into the main room, and just seeing a line of people sitting on the toilet going, hey, come and join us. Come and join us. We're all shitting at the same time. <laughs> this is what we do for fun. <laughs> yeah, oh, you can almost imagine it as like kind of, well, we're in the countryside, aren't we? This is what they do here. All yeah. communal crapping. <laughs> of course, unfortunately, that isn't the case. It's actually uh, loser a, a form. I think it's a card game. So they're all that, that would make more sense, that. wouldn't it? I suppose so. Yeah, yeah. Great shame. Uh, so Great that, shame that. Yes, yeah, so, but Lizzie says she's going to read instead of play cards, and uh, it's interesting here. They have this Darcy uh, and Lizzie and a couple of others have this conversation. 
um, about women, and Lizzie mm. gets very offended by how the sort of the low Im- impression that Darcy has of women. But mm. he also, um, in the middle of all this, drops in sort of a a blink and you'll miss it compliment about how women should read more because um, mm. it incre- improves the character, which is mm. a, sort of a, a subtle nod to what Lizzie's just said she wants to do. But yeah. she completely ignores it and uh, sort of <laughs> just sees him as a, a <laughs> continuously rude, continue, continuing to be extremely rude to her. Well, I thought that was really interesting because, like, because there is, I mean, obviously, the character of Darcy has this incredible haughtiness and arrogance. And so to him, like, in the context of Lizzie reading, talking about how good it is for women to read, probably counts as, like, like cracking out the acoustic guitar, putting a rose between his teeth and giving it, <laughs> you know, giving it, giving yeah. it like, oh, baby, I love your way, beneath, a, beneath a, <laughs> the bedroom window. But to her, she's just like, no, mate, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true, actually, isn't it? He, he does struggle to, to work out when he does want to um, pay a compliment yeah, it doesn't come easy to him, does it? He doesn't quite know how to do it. No, um, no, he definitely doesn't know. Okay, we'll be up to. Chapter nine, uh, Mrs. This is Mrs. Bennett um, f- uh, finding out that Jane isn't ill enough to to be in danger of death. So is generally pleased that she is ill because this means she's staying, she's staying <laughs> so, at this place. So she gets the report, and you can just imagine leaning forward and saying, "So what you're saying is." There's no downside. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Okay. Just keep her there. Oh, oh what she, a horrible character. <laughs> Mrs. Bennett also puts forward in this chapter a spirited defence of country living when um, it's suggested that it's not as interesting and you don't see as many interesting people as you do in the cities. Yeah. Yeah, she says, well, I don't know what you mean. I mean, we know, we know what is it, 24 families. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a little bit like... Um, Alan Partridge, isn't it? How many friends have you got? <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? It's like, yeah. oh, well, we've got 24 friends. As if you have that number to reel off your head. Yeah. yeah. It's a little bit... It's just another example of Mrs. Bennett kind of being quite desperate and visibly so, um, yeah. but not absolutely not aware that it's so obvious how she thinks and why she thinks. Yeah. And she does come in for a bit of stick for it from the other, the other people around. Yeah, it's a bit of a chink in her armour, that isn't it? She she understands the uh, some of the game very well, but it, it, she's got a couple of blind spots as well. One of them being this uh, this country countryside defence here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just I think she knows the game and she wants to win the game, but it's kind of like it's like how you don't get jobs by saying, "Can I have a job, please?" Yeah. You know, you you know, you have to demonstrate your ability to kind of add value to what somebody's doing and all the rest of it and you, you know you you have to not treat it as though what you want is what everything is there to to do yeah. whereas to her the only point of interacting with people like that is so that her her daughter can get married to him and that's very clear so everybody's yeah. like well you know who are you yeah so uh chapter 10 and uh we're back in the back in the main hall or the dry is it the drawing room though they're in they're in some kind of place where everyone sits together anyway. And uh Darcy's writing this letter and uh Miss Bingley is is with him, sort of keeps and she keeps chipping in with all these ideas <laughs> as to what she <laughs> what she wants him to write. What did you make of this? 
I, oh, it was hilarious because, like, because it, you get a real sense in this scene of, like, Darcy's total contempt for the kind of woman that's only really interested in marrying him. You know, so it's this whole thing by Miss Bingley is a play to be like, oh, look at me, look at me, look at me, look, look how condescending I can be, look how yeah. interesting I am, look at me, look at me, look at me. You know, it's 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 juvenile. It's worse than juvenile. You know, like if if there's a kid doing this, it's adorable. If it's a grown woman, you're like, how old are you? And and it's her whole conversation is is kind of sycophantic towards Mr. Darcy, but actually pays no attention to him at all. You know, she didn't pay attention to the fact that he wants to write a letter. You know, she just kind of, the whole point of him doing whatever it is he's doing should be that she is at the centre of it. And since yeah. she's not, she keeps interrupting him. And I just, this is a fucking masterpiece of, like, shutting somebody down. Just this, this whole passage is amazing. Like, Miss Bingley's, how delighted Miss Darcy will be to receive such a letter. He made no answer. <laughs> you write uncommonly fast You are mistaken, I write rather slowly How many letters you must have occasion to write in the course of a year Letters of business too, how odious I should think them It's fortunate then that they fall to my lot instead of yours Like everything <laughs> he says is just like, oh how annoying it must be to do business letters I don't mind them <laughs> I wouldn't like them at all Good job they're mine then <laughs> <laughs> Just like he could not, within the boundaries of polite conversation, more clearly want her to just fuck off. If, <laughs> if he had a massive sign up saying, please fuck off. It's amazing. Yeah, you can imagine him sighing before every answer as well, these. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> and then, and then I, 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 pray tell your sister that I long to see her. I have already told her so once by your desire. <laughs> I just imagine him, like, for good manners, giving in at every point where she says something totally inane and actually including it in the letter. It would be yeah. like, my dear sister, please be certain to make sure that the servants are being paid all the correct money. Also, Miss Bingley says hello. We need to make sure that the drive is re-graveled. Um, did I mention Miss Bingley says hello? And uh, please be certain to always complete your studies. And Miss Bingley says hello fucking again. Yours, your your dear brother, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They also have this conversation, uh, and this is with Mr. Bingley, I think, uh, mm. about how hard, a how, again, it's one of these society things, how hard a friend should try and convince you to stay over, for oh, yeah. the veiled, who it's aimed at. How yeah. hard a friend should convince you, try and convince you to stay over before you say, "Oh yeah, okay, I will." And yeah. if if you if you accept too quickly, it's considered rude. And I suppose yeah. there is a parallel with, you know, say um, someone was uh, you you were out for having having a couple of drinks, and uh, one of you mates said, "Oh." It's quite a long, it's quite a long uh, taxi, you know, quite expensive taxi ride home. You don't really want him to stay over, but yeah. you feel you, you feel you should, you sh you feel you should say, uh, you can. He said, "Well, I suppose I've got a room if you, you know, if you're really stuck." And straight away he goes, "Oh yeah, great." Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of reading between the lines, isn't it? And it's it is quite awkward sometimes to try and work out whether sort of offers of kindness and stuff are genuine or they're sort of there to so that 
both parties don't feel bad, but you're not supposed to accept. I thought it was an interesting discussion, this. Yeah, I thought it was. Although I have to say that this was one of the places where the pros kind of got away from me a bit. And I ended up rereading this about five times to make sure that I was properly following. I mean, it is a lot of words to wrap around quite a fine distinction. Yeah. You know? Um, I mean, I dig why it's there and so on, you know. But it's I, I found it I found it like, oh man, have I got a to yield without conviction is no compliment to the understanding of either. <laughs> right, the understanding of which two things? Hang on, I'll read it again. You know, like just yeah, that happens yeah, quite, quite a few times during these. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't mind engaging with with sort of with difficult prose, but this is a bit Byzantine to no purpose. But yeah. Um, I also think, generally, if you don't want someone to stay over, you shouldn't offer. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I agree with that, which is why neither of us are late 18th century noblemen in Great Britain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, true. Um, At the end of this, oh, this is where Darcy does the, uh, were it not for the inferiority of her connections, um, he would have been in great danger. I love uh, it, in great danger. Yeah. <laughs> Just such a hilarious phrase. It might be some danger, actually. I may have got that wrong. But yeah, same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, they all go for a walk as well. I love how... <laughs> <laughs> Every so often it strikes me how just no one does anything in this book. Like, no one works. Yeah. You just all wander around throwing balls every now and then, yeah. reading, writing letters, and going for walks. And that's it. <laughs> the idle no rich, surprise. Matt, that's what we're seeing. Yeah, it's no surprise that there was a you know, revolution in France, is there? All these people <laughs> just wandering about doing nothing while everyone else does all the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, um, that's that done. Uh, chapter 11, uh, Mr. Bingley's attending to Jane. Oh, no, hang on. Before we do that, before we do that, I love the bit at the end of chapter 10 where there's a couple of bits, actually, I really love. First of all, like, uh, there's a moment where um, uh, somebody's playing music and Darcy goes over and offers her a dance because he's impressed at this, but, like, he's had an entire day of Miss Bingley. And now he's like kind of like the appeal of a woman who actually has an original thought in her head has never been more apparent. Yeah. And and I love it. He goes over and he's like kind of, do you want to dance? And she's like, um, I've therefore made up my mind to tell you that I do not want to dance a reel at all. And now despise me if you dare. And I love his response, which because that, that's basically like fuck off and stay fucked off. Yeah. And um, and he's like. I'm probably not going to say that, to be honest. It just kind of sticks around. And I just I just love his thing where he's like, now he's impressed. He's like, um, he's like, nah, nah, sorry, you're not turning me off. <laughs> yeah. um, I find that, I find that really funny. Um, and then you've got this thing where like, there's this, uh, they go, everybody goes out for a walk and Miss Bingley is dissing Elizabeth to Darcy. Mm. Um and uh, her sister turns up uh, with with Elizabeth and just absolutely ditches Elizabeth and just yeah. kind of goes and attaches herself to Mr. Darcy's spare arm. They walk down this path, which only fits three, leaving Elizabeth behind them. And Darcy's like, this is terribly rude. You know, we must do something about it. Elizabeth couldn't be happier. She's like, I don't have to walk with you people anymore. Fucking mint. I'm off. <laughs> <laughs> and he just got yeah. some really nice stuff there about like... Um, about like Lizzie and Darcy's kind of developing relationship of a kind of um, 
grudging and then not so grudging respect for not being so kind of in love with the rules as Mrs. Mr. Bingley's two sisters are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just, that whole thing, I thought that was a really nice little encapsulation of the interactions we've seen so far. Yeah. Um, okay, so chapter 11, Bingley mm. attends to Jane. He's uh, making sure she's comfortable, building up this fire in the in the room, which is not a euphemism. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, he's keen. <laughs> Uh, Darcy is reading. You get Miss Bingley. Can t- the, it, it, it is interesting, isn't it? How just completely shameless the Miss Bingley attempts at getting Darcy's attention are. She's almost <laughs> floundering around him, desperate to get some kind of connection with him. Yeah, uh, and um, it's a bit. And in some ways, it's a little bit sad. But uh, you know, she's also quite hor- being and horrible, so you don't mind so much. Exactly. Um, I mean, it's it's seeing somebody who thinks they've who unconsciously demands privilege not being given it and that's a difficult thing to feel sorry for isn't it yeah uh there's this there's this bit where um lizzie's asked to go for a walk around the room and um darcy's uh, you know asked if he wants to join as well and he gives this great line and it's like it's this one of those things that not everybody can pull this off you know <laughs> yeah you <know>? that's true <laughs> You, you, you know, this can really easily come across as really lechy and pervy, but um, yeah. he basically says, you know, there are two reasons that you can that you can be going there, that you could be taking a walk around the room. One is to discuss secrets, and the other is to show off your figures effectively. Yeah. And he says, if the first, I should be completely in your way, and if the second, I can admire you much better as I sit by the fire. And, uh, mm. and, and do you do think this, he pulls like, it off? I think he kind of does. Yeah. Because they go, oh, shocking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I suppose for the era, it makes a lot of sense and stuff. But I've got to say, anybody tried that as banter nowadays, that would be like, you what? Do you want to stop perhaps rubbing your thighs so much while you talk? Do you know, it's uh, just a bit, came off as creepy rather than anything else. Uh, I don't know, though. I think some I think some people still get away with, with saying stuff like that, and it goes down quite well. well. I've I've... I've seen you've witnessed I've that. seen it happen <laughs> I, oh, I can't do it man. but I've seen it happen <laughs> <laughs> I can't, oh god can you imagine because that's basically like trying to flirt by proclaiming yourself to be a total cretin like I just yeah. I don't understand the whatever yeah you know well I think I think it belongs in the 18th century <laughs> okay oh there's another little sort of spiky argument between uh, <clears throat> Lizzie and Darcy but you really get in the get the feeling now that this is more like, you know, the the, the kid pulling pulling uh, the girl's hair at school. <laughs> you know. He's yeah, he's keen. He's keen. They're, they're enjoying these arguments a little too much, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, chapter twelve: the uh, the Bennets return home despite uh, Mrs. Bennet's best efforts to keep them there as long as possible. <laughs> uh, She's all but sending like the, the the letter equivalent of saying, what, sorry, can't hear you. Sorry, yeah. what? No, you're going to have to stay there for a bit longer. Sorry, no, can't hear you. The post's not getting through. Yeah. And this moves on to the next bit of plot in Chapter 13, which is uh, Mr. Collins, who is a cousin of the family and who stands to inherit uh, what, you know, what little, I suppose, the Bennett's own at the moment because mm. there are no sons in the family the yeah. inheritance will pass to a cousin. Uh, 
Yeah. This is this guy called Mr. Collins. Yeah. And obviously it's been a, a sore point this for some time. Yeah. And he wants to come round and basically make amends. He's offering an olive branch and he wants mm. to come and see the see the girls, see the family and uh yeah, as you say, specifically make amends and they they wonder about what that actually means. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And uh, yeah, I it's not clear to me what the point of this I mean, obviously you've got to introduce the character but why he would do something like this. Um because I'm like is he coming to gloat or what? Mm. Yeah, and well, it, it becomes clear, doesn't it, when he turns up, mm. that uh, he is—he's looking for a wife, and uh, he's kind of his idea, basically, is to marry one of his cousins. Not weird, and uh, <laughs> and, and therefore, <laughs> and therefore, sort of. <laughs> you that know, was amazing. Get, get, get. I just love the idea of him turning up and going. Listen, I've got an idea. I'm going to marry one of you. Not weird. Uh, <laughs> even though yeah. we're related, not weird. Yeah. Uh, so, and do that. And, of course, by doing that, give some of the inheritance back. So it, it stays quite literally oh. keeping it in the family. Oh, dear. Um, and, and, it's, and it's clear that in his head, this makes him a terribly nice person. Yeah. Doesn't it? You yeah. know, he's like kind of, oh, what, a, what a good and generous man I am. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> he he also asks um, what once he's eaten. He asks Mrs. Benny which which of her daughters is so talented at cooking. <laughs> Prepared the meal. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and obviously Mrs. Benny is really offended because she's like, no, we can afford to keep a cook. We've got our own cook. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that's absolutely priceless. Like, yeah. just this this need that she has to show that she's, you know, wealthier than people assume she is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in chapter 14, they talk about... Uh, he, Mr. Collins talks about Lady Catherine, who's effectively his patron, isn't she? Yeah. And uh, he, he's actually uh, a vicar now. And yeah. uh, she's helped him establish him at the position he's in now. Mm. Uh <laughs> we also get a real introduction to his character in that in how boring he is, in that he's, <laughs> he, he he wants to read something to to the girls, and he won't read any novels because he thinks they're they're a waste of time, and instead he digs out this thick book with a massive long sermon in it and, and reads three pages of it in this really monotone voice before Lydia interrupts him to talk about military officers again. I love that. that like, to be honest with you, to this point, Lydia has struck me as the airhead de tutti airhead. But then she does that and I'm like, right on, sister. You keep you keep doing that. Because he's so ridiculous. utterly, utterly ridiculous. Where, like, he's kind of like, I would like to invite myself around to your house, eat your food, look acquisitively at all of your furniture, choose one of your daughters to marry as though they're all for sale in a shop, and then read really boring sermons to you. <laughs> and she's like, you're really boring, I want to talk about soldiers. <laughs> yeah. And he sort of, he goes, he, he sort of admits defeat, doesn't he, and then closes the book. I don't know if he does this to sort of in a way to admonish them or just to sort of give up um, but maybe it's a bit of both and he retreats to the backgammon table and starts playing backgammon instead <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do like that I really do yeah. 
I quite enjoy the Mr. Collins character. I, I think he is he's another great example of a total wanker. Yeah. And in a story not not lacking for total wankers, um she is still, you know, he's just just a masterpiece of how boring a human being can be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Boring or not, he uh, does a deal in chapter 15 with Mrs. Bennett. He had his eye on Jane, but because Mrs. Bennett's got some uh, some strong hopes of Jane ending up with Bingley, she says, you know, why not Why not have Elizabeth instead? It's almost like, some, like you say, it's just some kind of business transaction almost, it is, isn't it's it? It's a meat market. Mm. I, mean, I mean, it is interesting, the kind of... Because at the time, this would all have looked like being a loving parent. I'm, you know, I don't doubt that Mrs. Bennett isn't being like horribly acquisitive. She's like, holy crap, I've got five daughters in a society that doesn't value women at all. You know, I'd best get her married to rich men. Um, so to her, I'm certain she thinks she's being loving. But I just, I'm gobsmacked. It is absolutely a meat market. Yeah, no, just another example of how unpopular Mr. Collins is with the whole household at the moment. Uh, he invades the sanctuary of Mr. Bennett's library, which is the one place where Mr. Bennett can go and not have to deal with the sort of rubbish that he has to deal with in the rest of the house, with the whole, <laughs> you know, travelling clown show that is the society at this time. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I just love this image of Mr. Bennett retreating to the library to have a break and Collins following him in <laughs> continuing to bother him. Just, I, I assume that I am as interesting to you as you are to me, so I'm going to carry on. And Bennett must be biting his tongue because, you know, this is the one person he can't actually afford to piss off. Yeah, yeah. And so, and and uh, you know, so he just has to put up with this crushing bore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they have this journey into Meriton and uh, a meeting with a new character. Ding, ding. Is <laughs> that the new character bell? Are we ringing that yeah. every time? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, mis- it's called Mr. Wickham. And he's this dashing young officer. Mm. And uh, as they're meeting in the street, Darcy and Bingley turn up. And there's this immediate tension. as There's obviously some issue between Darcy and Wickham. And, uh, this has been of, exchanged. I yeah, think. this is. I love. Yeah. I love the idea of this being an extremely, extremely posh rap beef. Like <laughs> yeah. they're not wearing the right gang colours. You know, the Crips versus the Bloods in Maryton. <laughs> yeah, and we don't get any idea of exactly what's behind that in this chapter. Um, it's just sort of left there, isn't it? And you're left wondering, ooh, what's this all about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We find find out in chapter sixteen. Where uh, there's another party, surprise, surprise, and uh, <laughs> do you mean do you mean another ball, Matt? The ball, and lots of balls. Yeah, and Wickham and Elizabeth get talking, and Wickham talks about his relationship with Darcy, how they don't like each other, and he basically Wickham basically shits all over Darcy and his sister. He says yeah. um, Darcy cheated him out of his. Basically, it seems that Darcy's father was going to give Wickham part of his inheritance and then Darcy cheated him out of it after his dad died uh, and you bastard yeah and he's, he, so he tells this sob story and and Elizabeth listens and intently and thinks it's scandalous and she comes away with her head full of him 
Um, yeah. and, and you get the feeling that she's really been, um, she's really fallen for Wickham here as well. Interesting. I don't know. What did you make of this? Like, what did what did you make of the possibility that that um, Darcy could be? That we could be we could be experiencing a double fake out here. Darcy starts off being a really arrogant wanker, and then kind of warms a little bit, and then turns out to be a total bastard. Like, did you buy it, or were you were you suspicious at this point? Uh, it's really hard to say because um, I I don't remember coming across this story for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's it. This is a. This is the the sort of the key, one of the key questions in the first third of the book, isn't it? Is who is Darcy, mm, um, mm. and you know it, it moves from, as you say, arrogant and not particularly likable to a bit of a warmer character to suddenly right back down the the horrible end of the scale again, mm. and coming from someone like Wickham who seems such a. Uh, he, he, there doesn't seem to be anything bad to say about him. He's, he's got it all, hasn't he? He's good looking, he's polite, he's interested. You know, Bingley's good looking, polite, and rich, but he seems not the brightest bulb on the tree. Wickham seems to have that as well. So he seems to have everything, doesn't he? Mm, yeah, yeah, that's true. So, yeah, it, it suddenly makes you think, either it makes you think, well, yeah, Darcy must be terrible, or. Maybe your suspicions are aroused. Maybe this guy's too good and too nice and too interesting and too perfect. Uh, interesting. But we will have to wait till next week to discuss that. Ugh. Yeah, because that brings us to the yeah that brings us to the end of the uh, of the passage for today. For next week, we will be reading up to chapter thirty. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I've got it here. I made a note of it and then misplaced it. For next week, we'll be re- <laughs> for next week we'll be reading as far as chapter thirty-four. There we go. Uh, so it's about it's about eighty or ninety pages of of book. Dave, I know Matt. what you're thinking. You're thinking, what about Pride and Prejudice and Zombies? How I does am that fit that. into this? I am thinking that. Let's have a quick rundown. Okay, so Pride and Prejudice and Zombies is the uh, the modern adapt. Well, no, the adaptation, which basically takes the story and drops in a load of zombies. <laughs> First thing to say, uh, the the opening line changed to "It is a truth universally acknowledged that a zombie in possession of brains must be in want of more brains." <laughs> Which is true. <laughs> that's true, but that's the line that you put in so that people can put it in the newspapers in like early November and everybody goes out and buys it for Christmas. <laughs> that's a that's a truth universally acknowledged which no one would say with sarcasm. I can't imagine any any uh, anyone <laughs> questioning the truth of that of that uh, statement. Can you imagine people being like, oh, "It is a truth universally acknowledged. Those zombies, all they want <laughs> is brains." How shallow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the A couple of other differences to this part of the book. Uh, yeah, Netherfield Park, which is the place which has been bought by Bingley, um, is empty because everybody moved out in the in the original version. In this version, it's empty because everyone's been slaughtered by zombies. Um, the zombie <laughs> horde has come past. <laughs> so no. uh, 
the at the first ball that they have when they all meet for the first time, um, it it ends with a a massive zombie attack, and uh, Mrs. Long, who I don't think we've we've met, um, gets eaten. So uh, <laughs> that's hmm. the uh, that's the shocking moment in that. Also, the girls uh, fight their way free um, by forming a a particular formation with the swords pointing outwards and lopping off zombie heads as they go. It's quite different to the version we've, we've read. <laughs> um, little bit, little bit. Yeah. Oh, uh, did, did, I thought it was quite funny when you said before that, uh, you know, sickness is no laughing matter in Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> um, it, it isn't in the zombie version because Jane gets attacked by zombies on the road on the way to uh, to visit Darcy and Bingley. Oh, and that's so why they, she's sick. Yeah, they're wondering whether she'll turn into a zombie, which she, she doesn't in the end. Um, oh, that's a bit... You can't... Oh, rubbish. <laughs> you have somebody attacked by zombies on the road, they've got to turn into a zombie. That's the way it works. <laughs> uh, oh, the, the walk into... Uh, the, the, the last walk they had um, in this in this part of the book so far, um, they come across a, an overturned wagon with a girl called Penny McGregor who's been killed by zombies as well, and they end up burning <laughs> a lot of zombies to the ground there. Um, and one of the parties that they have is a crypt and coffin themed party. <laughs> crypt and coffin themed party. Yeah, which is you know if you're in the middle of a zombie uprising, you may as well turn it into a, a fun party as well. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> <That's> so rubbish. <laughs> well, that's just a little taste of uh, of what what happens if you drop a load of zombies into this uh, into this classic of English yeah. literature. And whoever would have thought that it would turn out to be a poorly conceived bunch of crap? Personally, I was expecting it to be an adornment to Pride and Prejudice's deathless prose, but apparently not. No one's more surprised than me. Uh, okay, right. Moving on to a bit of feedback. Um, one bit uh, from one bit from Claire. Claire says that it's interesting the the way that that what's the guy called? Is it Mister Hurst? Is portrayed in the book as constantly thinking about food. Yeah. Um, whereas in the in the TV version, and I think in the film as well, she says he's oh. um he's portrayed as a drunk. He's just constantly oh, interesting. Drunk. Hmm. Yeah, and so maybe it's, it's that was this... supposed to be the implication, but like it was it was too delicate to to say that back then. Hmm. Perhaps maybe that's yeah. in the text. But to be honest with you, I prefer it more as Bomber. I prefer it yeah. more as this guy who's like kind of. You got any chips? No. <laughs> well, I've got nothing to say to you. Bye. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, and I think either either works as well because it's just this character who um, doesn't seem to have a great deal to do and is a bit bored with society and has found comfort just in excess, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, uh Max uh, emails in to say that. He he's, he too has has I think it's his first uh, or one of his first experiences of Pride and Prejudice was actually Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, really? uh, which yeah, which which, <laughs> which made it over there. Uh, he's also seen a Bollywood version of Pride and Prejudice called Bride and Prejudice. I've which, never uh, seen that. Recommends. That could yeah. be really interesting though. Apparently, yeah, apparently it's, it's it's fairly famous that, isn't it? I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I did quite well in the UK. I think I just I've just never seen it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see how that progresses. But I find it interest. I find it great to imagine um, how uh, someone who would read Pride and Prejudice and Zombies is the first version of it, 
you know, and then and then read read the original <laughs> almost as a, as a second. They've missed different. out the zombie attack on the road there. <laughs> it was poetry. You can't you can't do that. That's re-editing Casablanca. <laughs> But I expect as as time goes on now, with this in the shop, with Pride and Prejudice and Zombies in the shops, I bet there are more and more people who read this first, and then, if they still want to read the original, will go along to it. But it's such a strange thing to imagine that, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, I can't decide whether that's better because I'm not an enormous fan of the, the TV adaptation, which is how most people our mm. age and slightly older kind of came to this for the first time. Yeah. So I don't know. Is it better to come to it, like? compulsorily in uh, English lit class or mm. because all the girls fancy Mr. Darcy in the 1995 adaptation or through <laughs> zombies like which is yeah. the better way of encountering this text <laughs> uh, Max also says there are other versions of this at the moment um, there are there's sense and sensibility in sea monsters <laughs> what the come on you can do better than that with alliteration sense and sensibility <laughs> in sea monsters <laughs> There's a there's Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Oh, that's that's quite funny actually. That's a film. Oh, is it a film? It's a film. Abraham. I don't know if it was oh, book cool. first, but it's definitely a film. Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, which, unless I'm very much mistaken, was made to coincide with some like major anniversary of Lincoln's like I don't know birth or death or passing the emancipation whatever thing. Um, yeah. uh, in fact, I think it came out in the same year as the Steven Spielberg. Um, uh, the, the Steven Spielberg biopic which raises the magnificent possibility that people who just bustle into the cinema and don't pay very much attention to what's going on might go and watch Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter thinking it's a historically accurate biography <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Max says that there's also one um, a version of Tom Sawyer yeah, um, where they replaced all the instances of the n-word with robots so, <laughs> so, 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 so tom and robot jim are on a raft cruising oh day. for fuck's sake <laughs> dear oh dear i mean obviously it's better than the alternative but that's absolutely hilarious like some things you've just got to let slip into history haven't you really <laughs> I like that idea. He's got he's got a robot friend who's a yeah robot who's Jim. He's, he's part of a downtrodden uh, mm. minority in the society. Yeah. Well, there you go. So that's uh, that is our first part of Pride and Prejudice. Uh, if you if you want to join in with the feedback next time, uh, you can email uh, sharkliveroyalpodcast at gmail dot com. That's sharkliveroyalpodcast at gmail dot com. Or on Twitter at sharkliveroyal. Dave, opening thoughts on the book. Um, I've enjoyed it. Uh, you know, I kind of I knew I knew I wasn't gonna dislike it, but I have been again. It's always great to read it in this sort of that this sort of level instead of scanning it, really getting into a sense of who's a twat and who's not, um, <laughs> and and who's an interesting character. Um, I want to see I want to see how how this Wickham Darcy thing plays out. Um, yeah. And and as long as we get more and more total contempt shown for Miss Bingley, then I'm a happy man. <laughs> well, keep your contempt on ice till uh, till next I'll, week. I'll try, Matt, but there's a lot of it. You know, there's a, there's just there's a lot of it. There is a lot of it. <laughs> and uh, we shall return with the second part of Pride and Prejudice. As we said, we'll be reading up to chapter thirty-four next week. So, uh, if you're reading along with us, that's the point to stop at. There you go. <laughs> <laughs>